back to Freedom Unfolding, an inclusive holistic community that offers education, options, and inspiration to find your truth, find your voice, find your freedom. We are so excited to have our entire team here today to discuss a topic that is relevant now, perhaps more than ever. And that's the topic of emotional regulation and grief. Let me briefly introduce our panel for those of us who are new to our channel. Here with us today, we have Maya Rodman and Heather Rose from Free to Be Healed. You wanna say hi to our, to our audience? Hi. Hi, so good to be with you again. So grateful to be here, thank you. So glad to have you guys here. Maya and Heather, they specialize in supporting the softening and release of both unprocessed emotions and trauma held in the body through body work, energy work, and conscious communication. We also have Jillian here from Elemental Healing and Coaching. You want to say hello, Jillian? Hi, everyone. Such a joy to be with you and to be here with you, Golvik. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here, Jillian. Jillian is a clinical hypnotherapist, mother, wife, and lover of life who specializes in trauma-informed root work that allows the innate intelligence of the subconscious to lead the way. So it'll be really exciting to have your perspective on this. We also have Jenny Lynn from Pineapple Shores Wellness. You want to say hello, Jenny Lynn? As soon as I can hit my unmute button, <laughs> the joys of quarantine woes and recording on Zoom, right? I'm so glad to be here with y'all. Aloha. Welcome. Aloha, Jenny. Jenny takes a mind, body, aloha spirit approach to wellness through yoga, mindset, empowerment, coaching, and guided meditation, helping her clients anchor into peace and positivity to co-create their path to wellness. Thank you so much. And yes, we are... Um, doing social distancing. We're all at our own homes here. So please give us uh, some uh, patience if there's any kind of technical glitches or delays along the way. All right. We also have Mel Roden from You Got Mel. You want to say hi, Mel? Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm so happy to be here. And Gulbeck, thank you for hosting us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Mel, she is a spiritual startup strategist assisting spiritual entrepreneurs. She believes that when you're personally out of alignment, you're professionally off of assignment. And she provides resources and support you need to get back on track. And we have Sarah Mata from Loving Light. You want to say hi, Sarah? Hey, 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 everybody. I'm so glad to be here with you. And it's going to be a really exciting podcast. So thanks for listening. Yay. Thank you so much to be here, Sarah. Sarah is an integrative health practitioner who incorporates an energetic body work, clinical hypnotherapy, and trauma-sensitive techniques to support her clients in remembering their wholeness, inner strength, and resiliency. And last but not least, we have myself. Hello, my name is Gulvig. I'm from the Amber Serpent. I'm really excited to be here, and I, I feel so fortunate and honored to be able to talk about this very relevant topic. I am an energy healer and empath empowerment coach who specializes in assisting the highly sensitive to transform an existence that can feel mundane to one that is magical. So let's get right down to it. Emotional regulation and grief is our topic today. Let's start from the beginning because that is a really good place to start, is it not? Uh, Jenny Lynn, let's start by discussing what is grief? So Jenny, how does a person know when they're grieving? Sure. Thanks for, thanks for passing the mic. Um, so depending on, you know, which camp you fall into, you, there's five stages of grief or seven stages of grief. You know, there's shock and denial, pain or guilt, anger, or sometimes it's also called bargaining, could be depression. There could be 
um, an upward turn um, or working through the things. And then there's also acceptance and hope. So those are a lot of things. However, uh, I just wanted to remind people that, you know, you can grieve things other than the loss of a person. You can grieve something like, you know, this season that we're in, this dynamic season that we're in right now, you can grieve your former life. You can grieve fill in the blank. Um, so essentially grieving is the loss of something that you once had and sometimes maybe something that you've never had. Like an example of that would be, I've always wanted to run a marathon. It's been on like my bucket list. Um, and I believe one day I might be able to walk one, but you know, running is not something that I can do anymore, um, due to some limitations and doctor's orders. Now, do I believe in the innate wisdom of my body to heal itself and for that to happen? Absolutely. And so just kind of getting back to, you know, knowing that that death is not only a thing that we grieve or a person that we grieve in life, but it could also be a thing. So we can grieve moments, we can grieve people, pets, so on and so forth. And you can also um, rise above the, the grief and conquer, conquer things too. Like one of the stages is um, acceptance and hope. And so once you begin to move into acceptance, you then can sometimes birth hope and birth new beginnings out of stages of grief if that makes sense at all. <laughs> I, um, I also ha have had in my own personal journey, um, there's a pose, a yoga pose. Doctors told me I'd never be able to do again. And not only can I do it, I can do it like a boss. And I've had like some of my teachers recognize me. And I literally cried all the way home because doctors told me that I couldn't do it. So a, a lot of my journey has been, you know, physical struggles and being stuck in a body that won't do what I want it to do. So those are my examples, but just know that grief can be more than losing a person um, or an animal or a soul. It can be losing something tangible that's important to you. Thank you, Jenny. I think that's a really good reminder that we don't just grieve just the death of a, of a loved one, that situations, dreams, hopes, things that we need to let go also deserve our, our attention and honor as well. Thank you. Thank you. So Sarah, I'd like to hear from you about emotional regulation. What is emotional regulation and how do we know when we're not regulated? Beautiful. So one important thing, especially when it comes to grieving and emotions, is to have an idea of where you are on the spectrum of emotional regulation. And that is a term that we generally use to describe a person's ability to be effectively managing and responding to an emotional stimulus. This provides us an opportunity to modulate our responses triggered by emotions. So when we're in emotional regulation, we're able to have an initial upsurge of an emotion to witness it 
to allow it to settle and implement a macro level perspective to observe that situation before reacting to it. Allowing for space and grace and time between the stimulus and the response gives us the opportunity to restore our mental faculties that involve rational thinking and reasoning instead of just being drowned completely by that emotion and having an outburst. And an important factor in this is the autonomic nervous system, which is very central in our resiliency. And a, an important thing to know about is our window of tolerance. And this is a zone where our nervous system is able to be relaxed, calm and alert and engaged. And if we are outside of our window of tolerance, we often find ourselves feeling very off-centered, off-balance, and out of equilibrium. When we're inside of our window of tolerance, that means that we're able to respond to life situations in a healthy way. We're able to perceive, process, and respond to these external events with wise equanimity. It's something that we're able to do when we're able to cope and have resiliency. So for me, most, the most important aspect of emotional regulation is cultivating an awareness of where I am on the spectrum, anchoring into my own inner knowing, my own wholeness, my true nature, instead of over-identifying with that emotion and allowing it to drown me. When we're able to be the observer of the experience, we can honor the emotion as part of our reality without being completely over-identified with the grief or the sadness or anger, whatever it is, we can still know who we are and have a witnessing of that emotion. I love that. Being what I'm hearing is being the container and not the contents. Yes, yeah. exactly. Love it. Yeah. And would you say that, would you define that as being what holds space for the process or what does it mean to hold space for the process? So I think it's so valuable to practice holding space for yourself and your own emotions because we don't always have the opportunity to have other people be there with us. So it's important to cultivate that practice. And the very first part of that process for me is giving ourselves permission to have our own experience. No matter what it is, no matter what emotion, no matter what thoughts you're having, you're allowed to have it. You validate the emotion that you're having. You give yourself, if it's safe in the moment, a space to express that emotion and also the space to express the need behind that emotion. Giving space for the expression, the validation, and the need will help allow the energy to move through your system in a healthy way so that that doesn't get stuck in your energetic system. There's also an opportunity if you don't feel like it's safe in the moment to explore that where you can cultivate a safe container for your emotions to rest, where you actively tell your system, your body and your emotions, your nervous system, hey, I see you. I see that this is happening right now. I, I hear this grief. I hear this anger. And I'm going to put this in a safe container just for now. And I promise to come back to this. I promise to process this later. But where we are in this moment, it's not safe. So if you have that opportunity to, instead of stuffing everything down, honor your system, put that emotion in a safe container, and then go back to it when it is safe so that you can properly hold space for yourself or find a practitioner or a friend or someone who knows how to be with you in neutrality, 
And that way you can give yourself permission, validate your emotion, express that emotion, express the need, and allow for the energy to move through. Pure gold, Sarah. Thank you so much. It was like just absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Such a clear, specific description on what holding space for the process is. So that brings me to Jillian. Um, Jillian, I know you work a lot with subconscious effects of trauma. How does the trauma response occur? Yeah, that's, um, I feel like that's a really, really important question. And I'm, I'm really honored to be able to, to speak on that and kind of building from what Sarah was uh, mentioning. There is, um, you know, when there's an activation cycle, which basically happens anytime that there's any strati. So, you know, we might be at a really neutral place and just working on something and perhaps we have a thought or a feeling or experience where there is an activation that happens that's stressful. And when there's that stressful activation, all those things go on in the body, those um, that energy gets released into the system and it starts moving. And um, ideally, the, the need would be met. <laughs> and so if the need is met, then, you know, we're fine. Then it gets discharged, right? And so, um, and that might look like, you know, we're all pretty familiar with the fight or flight response, right? Fight, flight, or freeze is what we hear about very often. And so when there's that stress activation cycle, um, ideally you're going to have, or, or really nearly all the time, um, if you can escape it, you're either going to want to flight it, you're going to have the sense of wanting to escape, or you're going to have the, the fight sense. And this can look like, you know, this can look like we're out in a public place um, and we notice that there's a couple people talking and looking at us and we might have a stress response around that, that they have, you know, that maybe they're judging us. And, and that is a stress response that's very valid. And when our system is activated, what goes on is that we have, we might either feel like fighting, like, oh, I'm so angry. Those women don't know what they're talking about, or those men don't know what they're talking about, or whatever it is, right? What, who are they to judge me? And we make all kinds of meaning, right? Um, or we might feel like we want to go run and hide and not be seen. And, um, and so there's, there's usually one of those activations that shows up somehow in the fight or somehow in the flight. And what happens if that we don't get that activation out, then it kind of goes dormant. It kind of gets stuck inside of us in a sense. And um, with that, when that happens, there's a subconscious decision that's made at that time. And that subconscious decision is really to try to keep us safe. And in some cases, yes, it does. And in some cases, and what that subconscious is, the, the decision really is a trauma response. And it can be you know, more of a lowercase t trauma, it can be a capital T trauma, which shows up, you know, as PTSD. And that might look like it's not safe for me to go out in public because when I'm in public, I'm judged or nobody likes me. There can be all kinds of subconscious decisions that are made from the activation cycle not being able to be completed. And so um, what's really important is if you can 
recognize, if you can have a recognize, if you're able to recognize what that activation is and what it needs, then you can, you know, as Sarah discussed, you can use that awareness to help kind of pendulate it. Um, or to titrate it and to kind of get it out in some sort of a sense so that there's not that subconscious response that's then happening um, that is creating a limiting belief from that space. And, you know, the limiting beliefs, yes, it does keep us safe sometimes, but it can also keep us very, very small because after all, when we're not able to get out that stress response, that's what we try to do is be smaller so we're not seen because that is a, that's a trauma response in and of itself is, you know, the trying to get away, the trying to be smaller um, so that we're not hurt in some way. Um, and this goes so, so, so deep, but there's, there's so much to it. But ideally, you know, and I, and I think um, Free to Be Healed is going to speak a little more on it too. But ideally, the idea is, um, is to really get that charge out so that the subconscious response doesn't happen. And when that subconscious response does happen, um, which is, you know, for everybody, right? So, so we all have these little itty bitty situations or maybe very big ones where that has happened before. Um, and the idea is that even when that does come up, there is plenty of resource. So obviously, you know, I'm a hypnotherapist. Um, clinical hypnotherapy is phenomenal for the subconscious response. And there's also that space for the body as well. So you can, um, you know, experience that shift in the body as well. And, and the two can work very well together. So Thank you, Jillian. That was beautiful. And I think that that segues really beautifully as well with what Free to Be Healed would um, like to bring to our table. Heather and Maya, would you mind building on this? What is the activation cycle within our physiology? Yeah, thank you, Heather here. So that was beautifully said, Jillian. And oftentimes what happens when that subconscious uh, the subconscious stories are activated, it sends neural pathways to the body. And that's where the body's fight flight system gets really um, engaged. And so the activation cycle, I know that we keep talking about that, but an activation is anything that triggers an emotional, that brings up an emotion, right? So any, any situation, and it can, and it's really subjective depending on our individual experiences. So any situation or event that creates an emotional response or a, we like to call an energy activation, then the system goes into chaos. So all of those thoughts that uh, Jillian was speaking of, of like, is it not safe to be here? Or maybe I want to fight or I get really defensive. This is the mind kind of going in action and out of protection, but it goes into chaos. And so in that chaos mode is when all of our um, our wounds, so to speak, or all of the pieces of even feeling threatened on certain levels, the whole system is engaged. The mind, the body, the subconscious, and the nervous system is all completely engaged in the chaos. And then from chaos, we have to be able to get to circulation for the energy to move. And from there is where we can, once there's circulation, then we're creating space for insight and integration. And when we get there, we have the ability to get to peace. 
and then we return to wholeness or neutrality. And so when we take that in consideration, at any point, if we don't go through the full cycle, then we create an emotional holding pattern. So Jillian had said like, um, where it gets kind of held or stuck in the body and Sarah mentioned like suppressing it. So if we do not honor each piece of this, then it has the potential to get kind of looped in there. Um, and so then the next time there's an activation, it goes right to that spot and then we're, the, the, the triggered response gets bigger. So the best way that we can resource ourselves and get to a place of emotional regulation, like Sarah was talking about, is to come through each one of these, these stages. So when we notice an activation, we acknowledge that there is an activation. And then when we feel the chaos, the best thing that we can do is drop in and like track our sensations and identify the emotion. What is the emotion that I'm feeling? What is happening here for me? And when we do that, we give space, we acknowledge and validate that my body and my mind is having an experience and we can create um, an honoring of the experience to create that circulation. So when we think about emotion, it's E-motion, energy and motion. We have to allow it to move and shift. And the best way to do that is honoring it and giving it expression. And expression means having a safe place to land, allowing ourselves to cry, allowing ourselves to have, have the emotion. Um, and then we get to talk to the intelligence of the emotion, knowing that our emotions are messengers. So every time that we have an emotion come up, if we can directly talk to it and see what it's trying to tell us, then we can get to the need, right? When we talk to the emotion, the emotion is what can give us the valuable information on what the need is under that. And that brings us to insight. So being aware of what the need is, and then we give, have our opportunity to be our own inner caregiver and meet the need. And when we do that, we are into an emotionally regulated place. The really cool thing about that is once we reach uh, an emotional regulation, the energy from that place gets to travel back to all of those other places that they've gotten stuck before to create a shift in the energy that's held in the body. So we can really um, open up the pathways there. And then that gives us the opportunity to return to wholeness. And so it's when we, um, the one thing that I want to be able to bring into the space is that we're looking at all of these emotions and we have, we keep talking about the need. So the one thing that we can really anchor into is this mantra or this uh, theory under every behavior is a feeling, under every feeling is a need. So when we can look at the behaviors that we have, our emotional reactions, and it allows us to look at the behavior. We are not our behavior. So it helps us to disidentify with the emotion, like Sarah was saying, when we can just honor it as a behavior and underneath that explore what's the feeling and under the feeling, what is the need? And I think that that's really kind of sums up everything as far as what is emotional regulation and how do we honor an activation cycle. Maya here, if I can add a piece to that, talking about emotional regulation and going through the activation cycle. One, if not the most important piece, in my opinion, is the practice of self-compassion. Compassion, which takes courage, which takes vulnerability sometimes to be kind to ourselves, to even anchor into or create space for where we can start having perspective to start, like, make little changes. And encouraging myself and everybody else that this is a practice it's like not about getting it right the first time there's no competition there's no race to win it's about 
nurturing awarenesses that feed our souls and integrate into a healthy way of living. And it's deprogramming lots of messages and loops and neural pathways. So the practice of compassion and the ability to start over and at every moment, like I tell my clients, if, if you can like catch yourself, like I'm being my mean to myself, I'm being mean to myself, I'm beating myself up. If somewhere in that thought you can be kind to yourself, you're creating a new pattern. You don't have to beat yourself up for beating yourself up. So the, the generosity and the courage to have compassion for ourselves to start anew in every moment, how that creates a ripple effect. I absolutely love that. Not compounding the pain, you know, be, there's no need to be mean to yourself about being mean to yourself. I love that. Thank you. And segueing from having compassion for ourselves and um, showing up for ourselves by giving ourselves space for the process. Mel, I'd, I'd love to hear from you as well on this, because I, I know that before your coaching career, you had a background in HR and experience in mitigating disagreements. How do you see how this might affect how we relate to others? Thank you. Yes, um, appreciate you asking that question. Yeah, I do have a, a background in HR and actually before the life coaching business, I was a career coach. And what I love about what Maya um, touched on about the compassion part and the not beating yourself up for not beating yourself up, what I, what I truly believe is that when once you are able to self-regulate your emotions and have compassion for yourself, that gives you the ability to see other people and have a compassion for them, um, for the people who don't have these resources and don't have these tools and for you to be able to hold space for other people because I truly believe that you can't give away what you don't have. And so if you don't have self-compassion, if you don't have love for yourself, if you don't have respect for yourself, if you don't think you're valuable or worthy, it's like when you try to go out into the world and give that to other people, you're doing yourself and them a disservice. So first starting with yourself, which is what everyone else so eloquently shared, um, starting with like the, the, the um, understanding of what self-regulation is, but being able to now do that for yourself and then do that for other people. And one of the things that I um, love that Heather shared earlier about being able to express and get in touch with like your body and what need is not being met. When you're in conflict, uh, I was the mediator of a lot of conflicts, obviously in HR. But what I saw was that people weren't able to skillfully or eloquently or, or in any way whatsoever be able to express what need wasn't being met. And so when someone is able to self-regulate and then you're sitting in front of a person who can't understand or even hear you, then you are then able to eloquently and skillfully share with them what needs are not getting met. The other thing that I like about what Maya talked about as well is that this comes with practice. So you have to practice first with yourself and then with others. And I will be the first one to tell you that this has so worked for me. I see people in the world in a different way and my compassion for others has completely grown and changed because when I meet someone, I'm all like, oh, poor them. They don't have this resource. Like I want to be able to like help them and give this to them and, and lift the veil that they're walking around the world in. And so I love that having compassion for yourself and then being able to give it away to others and being able to help them hold that space as well. So um, yeah, 
that's my experience with it. Life-changing. What I also love too is that, um, I know we'll share a tool later, but even last week when Gulbeg, you actually took us through the body scan, for, the, for those people out there who are not able to get in touch with their feelings, that body scan that Gulbeg so lovely walked us through last weekend was a great starting point for anybody who's having trouble figuring out what am I feeling where do I even start being able to get quiet in your mind and figure out where that energy is being held and Heather did a good job of talking about those blocks and where we may be holding it in our body but that's the tool that I want to urge anyone who's out there who's listening who doesn't even know where to start like maybe you're like, okay, well, I don't want to fight. I don't want to flight. I don't want to freeze. What do I begin to do? Breathing exercises and that body scan are great places to start. So yeah, this is exciting stuff. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, that was absolutely beautiful. I loved how the part, you can't give away what you don't have. So that just like, boom, nailed it. Yeah, all of that. All right, so thank, thank you all, like such good stuff here, so much gold. I have thoroughly learned a lot from all of you and there has been just a lot of discussion today about the processing of letting go. And just like any process, accepting the transition that is slash has occurred is the first step. So acceptance is always the first step. When we hear about the importance of closure and saying goodbye, that is, that's what's being alluded to there is the step of accepting the change that is occurring. So it is our intention to offer a tool in all of our episodes so that our listeners can put the resources offered into practical action. So today's tool is to help us process grief is the goodbye letter. When we say goodbye, many times there's a quality of gratitude that typically comes into play when we start to document all of the gifts and lessons of a situation, a person or dream that is on its way out. How I personally know when my grief has been processed is when it turns into a feeling of nostalgia. I may never be happy about having to say goodbye, but I'm able to look back with an appreciation and not have the feeling of loss feel like a crippling weight in my heart. So for this process, we are inviting all of our listeners to write a goodbye letter to the past paradigm. We know that life as it was before the COVID pandemic is bound to change. What is it that about the way that things were that you're willing to say goodbye to? So these are some questions to ask for ourselves. What is it that you're willing to say goodbye to? What personally are you willing to let go of? So for example, are you willing to let go of fear, complacency, lack of authentic expression? What was it about the past paradigm, about the way things were before the pandemic that you're willing to say goodbye to? What are you willing to let go of about the collective? Shame throwing, control, manipulation. Are there things about our society, the systems that we use and the world at large that you would like to maybe see kind of dissolve and be replaced by something better. What would you, what would it be like to invite whatever it is that you would like to have take its place? If you're moved to share, feel free to post your goodbye letters of the past paradigm on our Facebook page, Freedom Unfolding. So next week, we're going to be reading our own goodbye letters to the past paradigm and discuss what making space for the new is all about. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And you can also email us at freedomunfolding at gmail.com. 
Thank you all for listening. Join our community every Thursday here at 3.33 Arizona time to find your truth, find your voice, and find your freedom. This is Freedom Unfolding.